Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bible. A very large part of the world is people. How many of you figured that out? Someone said there would be very few problems if it wasn't for people. And the reality is you can't escape people. You is one, someone said. I want you to listen very good. How you process people, how you relate to people, is very critical to your relationship with God. This is true in marriage, it's true in family, it's true in church, it's true in life, uh, Because there's a lot of different ways you can process people. You can view people as someone to use. You become manipulative and controlling. You can view people as competitive or rival and you'll live in strife and discord and opposition. You can view people as a threat that must be destroyed. You'll become critical and destructive. Or you can view people as someone to serve, someone to love, someone to forgive. But your personal victory, your personal walk with God, any blessing, anointing, dominion, any ministry, is very much going to depend And how you view people. And that's what I want to minister on this morning. Very simple but profound question. That everyone here needs to answer. And let God speak to your heart. How do you view people? Ephesians 4 verse number uh, 29 says um, uh, these words. Let me begin with verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his own hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, What is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you, also with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ 
forgave you. Father, we come by the blood and the Spirit today. I pray, God, your word, God, would be able to reach into the heart of this people. God, I pray, make us more like you. Give us an understanding, God, that we don't live our life by television and the media and all the insanity. But we relate to people and to you by your word. God, help us today. God, I pray you enlarge the heart of this people to embrace the broken, the downtrodden, the discouraged. Move today, God, for eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. I want to look with you at first the problem with people. Most of us live today out of the experiences of our past. In other words, our past experiences with people has framed us and it forms the basis for who we are today. Your thoughts, your feelings, your values, your attitudes... Your priorities, what you give yourself to. Very much of this has been shaped and fashioned by your history or your past, especially when it comes to how you view and relate to people. Life makes a deposit in your soul, and your soul becomes who you are. In other words, your flesh, your body, soul, and spirit, um, your flesh and its desires are the soul of man. Any hurt, any anguish of life is stored as well in your soul. In your soul this morning, there's feelings and emotions. Your soul seeks satisfaction. Your soul desires things. This is what makes us tick in life. This is what computes out in the normal everyday affairs of what you call your life. It's your soul this morning. Your soul is you. And you are this morning a composite of all that life has brought you and how you responded to it. So out of this reservoir of your soul, these deposits of past experiences, you now have worked out and you've decided what's right and what's wrong, how I'm going to behave, how I'm going to process people, what they do to me, how I'm going to view humanity now begins to flow out of this. Your soul has now framed Who you are, your past, your family, your experiences, the environment you were raised in. All of this has had its voice and its chapter. The pain, the sorrow, the disappointments. We could talk about rejections or failures or upheaval. As well as the joy, the peace, the love, acceptance, the concern, your accomplishments or your failures. All of these, as I said, they're there in the memory of your soul and they left an impression and all of that is working and that's who you are today. The problem is most of us, if we were any age at all, sin began to be at work as well. 
And that sin, the wages of sin is death. It left its scars. It left its impact. It wounded. It tore. And even though we've come to Jesus, bowed our knee, born again, saved, still all of this composite is in us. Works out in your marriage. Works out in your life. Works out in your relationships. Romans 7 22 to 24 talks about this body of death. And Paul, I read from the Amplified to give you a little better clarification. I endorse and delight in the law of God in my inmost self, with my new nature. But I discern in my body, in my members, in the sensitive appetites and wills of my flesh... A different law or a different rule or a different action. And this is at war against the law of my mind. Making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs. In the appetites and the wills of the flesh. Oh unhappy and pitiable and wretched man that I am. Who will release and deliver me from this shackle. And there's that term, this body of death. In other words, we come to God and we know we're lost. We need Jesus. We bow our knee. We're converted. We're saved. But still, there's a lot of things God still has to work on and work out. How many of you figured that out? This term body of death means a composite, a accumulation of things in me that are working against the resurrection power of God. I quote, something is wrong deep within me, down inside, covertly rebelling against God when I least expected. I remember many, many years ago I was pastoring. And there was a father, mother, had a number of boys, uh, The father decides he's going to get a divorce. He's going to go his way. He abandons pretty much the family. Backslides, goes on. And I watched these boys grow up. And I can remember this father promising at Christmas time, I'll be there, son. Didn't show. The boys, like a lot of little boys, they got involved in Little League. And Dad, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm going to watch your game. Didn't show. Had no interest in their life. Made promise after promise that was broken. And I remember talking to these boys as they grew up and actually become teenagers. And I could feel the hatred. I could feel the resentment. I could feel this bitterness boiling inside of them. And I can remember talking to one of them and it's just spewing out of him and It dawns on me, this boy was playing baseball at the time. The stands could have been filled with people. He would have traded them all for just his dad being there. This boy's in prison today for murder. See, the soul is self. It's me, it's I. And the problem with self It comes out to how we process life. And most of us process life with a mentality. We're just trying to cope and survive. 
Self will try to solve its problems through self-preservation. I'm making it. Or self-promotion. We just want to come out on top. Proverbs 18.1 He who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire. And pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. Verse 2, a self-confident fool has no delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions and himself. Self will invariably always try to justify itself. It'll make excuses, build its case, defend its decision, no matter how flawed they are, no matter how wrong, unrighteous, mean, ungodly, demonic, we could go on and on. There's something that lives in all of us. That in our mind, it's justifiable. We defend ourselves many times by trying to discredit anyone who tries to talk to us or speak into our lives expose a bad decision or correct us. If I can disqualify you, I don't have to listen to what you have to say. How many ever tried to tell your wife or your husband something? Let me see your hand. The rest of you are afraid to lift your hand. (laughs) I feel fear in this place. (laughs) But invariably, when you try to Give somebody sometimes direct or point out something that's flawed. Invariably, they will turn on you and begin to point out your flaws. And the reason they do that, especially if you're in authority, is if they can disqualify you, then they don't have to listen. What you have to say means nothing. I want to talk about for a moment the pain of people because this is inescapable in life. In our text, Paul says, putting away lying to your neighbor, putting away being angry. I don't want you stealing any longer. He's writing to the church. I don't want any corrupt words to proceed out of your mouth. All of these sins are violations of relationship. When you lie, and we know we lie to ourselves, but normally we lie to people as well. When you're angry, you're angry at someone. When you steal, you've taken something that belonged to someone else. And these corrupt words that come out of your mouth, he talks about malice and a lot of things. These are normally aimed and target people. In other words, he says, as a child of God, I don't want you damaging God's creation or people. The Old Testament, the first family. Here's a son, his name is Cain. He brings an offering before God. His brother Abel brings an offering and God rejects Cain's offering and Cain is outraged. And God says very simple to him, he says, Cain, listen, you're angry. You're upset. I want to tell you, sin lies at the door and it has a desire for you. But if you'll confess, if you'll repent, we can work this out is basically what he said. 
Cain went away. And the next scene almost is he and his brother Abel are having a conversation in the field. We don't know what was said. Cain kills his brother. And only the Lord knows the pain that began to flow through this family as one sibling in jealousy, in envy, and anger destroyed the image of God. Humanity. You know what Jesus said? Offenses must come. Matthew 18, 7, Woe to the world because of offenses. Offenses must come. This word offense is a very interesting word. It's the trigger, or if you had a big bear trap, that little piece that you put the bait on, that when whatever animal or anything takes it, it's that, that which triggers the trap. This thought of offense is a violation. Violations will come in fractions. It's galling. Uh, it's a, a seemingly unbearable things that come. Vexation. It assaults you. These things happen. They come from people. This word offense, though, is much deeper than just what's happening. That's what it did to you. In other words, it's the bait. Someone said something to you. Someone offended you. Someone rejected you. Someone assaulted you. Someone inflamed you. And what this word offense, it's more than just what happened. It's, what, it's how it got a hold of you. It got down in your soul, like I mentioned a while ago, and now takes on a life of its own. It's deeper than just what happened. It wasn't just the pain of the moment. But it become resentment against people. I quote, resentment becomes suppressed rage. It's destructive, unpredictable, radioactive, and it transmits itself into every problem, every relationship, and how we view life. This buried resentment now begins to be the basis for who you are and begins to dominate how you process people in life. Look at Moses for a moment. Think about Moses. It's an incredible study. Acts 7.22 says Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. In all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deeds. Now think that here's a man He's confident. Here's a man, he's eloquent in speech. He's mighty. He's able to communicate. He's able to persuade. Here's a man that can make impact in the earth. Think of this. He's been raised in Pharaoh's house. He's been sheltered. He's raised in royalty. All of this. But one day, his roots rise up. He sees a Jew being violated by an Egyptian, gets in the middle of it, and it got out of hand, and he killed the Egyptian. A few days later, he sees two Israelites arguing. He wants to step in. One of them turns on, who do you think you are? You think you're going to rule over us? 
That's exactly what God was designing to be their deliverer. And here this shock came um, and rejection came um, and they turned, the very people he was trying to help turned on him and attacked him and it cost Moses 40 years, but it didn't just cost him 40 years. Watch later when God wants to do something in his life. Here this is residue down in his soul, this rejection, this one little episode the Bible records. Forty years on the backside of the desert. God comes one day. The bush burns. He turns aside. God says, I want, I need you, Moses. I need you to do something for me. Just like God will pass by you and say, I need you to do something for me. Listen to his words. Exodus 4 verse 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What in the world happened to this guy? Translate, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words. I stutter and I stammer. Here's a man... um, And the Bible in the book of Acts 7, I believe it is, says he was rejected. And so something happened more than just in the moment. Until one day God wants to use him. And he says, I'm not qualified. I can't speak. I can't talk. I stutter. I stammer. Well, what happened to this man who was murdered indeed? What happened is... Life took a shot at him. People took a shot at him. And he lost internally far more than just that moment. Then one day God comes along and says, I want to use you. I have a plan for you. You feel disqualified. What about you this morning? God has a destiny and a purpose for every man and woman in this place. And I know that varies across the spectrum. But I also know, listen to me, if you're not very careful, somewhere how you view people and what happened to you at a critical moment when God says, now's your time, Moses. You say, hey, not me. Maybe then, but not now. It's over. It's finished for me. This was an offense that sprung up and caught him and twisted him up. Bottled up bitterness and buried resentment somewhere will erupt into relational problems. That's why in our text he says, let all bitterness, verse 31, wrath, anger, clamor, Evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. What what Paul is saying, you can't bottle this stuff up. It's like storing gunpowder in your basement. If you had a basement. We don't have many basements around here. You keep storing this gunpowder. If you're not careful, one day it will blow your whole house down. I have seen people do this. 
I've seen people blow their marriages, their families, their ministry, relationships they've built for years. They bottle up this resentment. They bottle up and store up this bitterness. And one day, praise the Lord, Pastor. Keep preaching this morning. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Resentment is the feeling of being injured or violated, insulted, that demands retaliation and anger. It's payback. You know, you can spend your whole life getting even. You can live your whole life upset, exploding, On people that had nothing to do with your injury. You can live your life in opposition and conflict. Where people are not someone to serve and to love. But a threat. And what happens if you're not careful. You'll isolate. You'll withdraw. You'll have your own little sphere. Or you'll have nobody. The media generation today, one of the problems with so many youth today, they say is they're isolating in a computer, in a fantasy, in, in, a, in a, a, a world that's not real. There's no personal contact. You'll either isolate or you'll feel you have to retaliate with words or conflict. I want to close. I want to make a statement to you that can change your whole world. Listen to me. Listen to me. You can't live life without forgiveness. Listen, you'll never survive life apart from forgiveness. Paul in our text, verse 31, he says, Let all this stuff be put away. And you say, How, Paul? How? And in verse 32, he says, be kind to one another. He tells us how. Tenderhearted. Then he says, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. You'll never survive life. Listen, your marriage won't survive without some forgiveness along the way. How many ever had to forgive their husband? How many ever had to forgive your wife? Somebody else. Me. You know, your pastor. Listen, listen to me. It's, it's here Paul, he goes through all of this. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Put away from you malice and anger. Don't be tearing up people. Don't be going off on people. Don't be filled with malice. Don't shoot your mouth off, all of this. And in and, and, and their mind, they're probably saying, how, how in the world? He said, listen, I'll tell you how. You got to forgive. And then you got to choose how you're going to live life. What is forgiveness? This, the Bible's filled with it. Let me, let me read you, and I'm, I'm closing here quickly. Luke eleven four. Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us, think of this, from the evil one. Forgiveness is God's grace in action. Listen, forgiveness will dissolve resentment. 
Forgiveness will neutralize and dissolve bitterness and anger and malice. What did Jesus say here? He said, listen. He tells them to forgive. Then He says, don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. What He's saying, if you refuse to forgive, this will lead you into a place of temptation and put you in the hands of the evil one. Unforgiving people are a setup for hell because you become defenseless. When you forgive, it's hard for hell to lead you into temptation. When you don't forgive, when you're bitter, when you're twisted, when you're resentful, when you're upset, when you feel life is all again, then you're very easily led into temptation and into the hand. Of the evil one. Matthew 18, 34. You know the story. The man was forgiven so much. Someone else, he was forgiven, say, half a million dollars. Someone owed him $25 and he threw him into prison. The Lord came and he said these words to the man who refused to forgive. Uh, Matthew 18, 34. Deliver him or he turned him over to the tormentors or to be tortured. This word tormentors or torturers uh, is to be in anguish, to be burdened down both mentally and emotionally. He said, if you refuse to give, I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to find yourself turned over to mental and emotional anguish. You're going to find yourself tormented and tortured in life. What about you? What about you? Forgiveness will keep your heart clean. Forgiveness will keep your spirit right. It'll give no place. In our text, he says, Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Give no place to the devil. Colossians 3, 12, my last text. Verse 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called into one body and be thankful. He said, listen, people are going to violate you. Things are going to happen. It's inescapable in life. But he said, listen to me. The, the way out is to forgive and then the peace of God. The anointing, the dominion, the joy, the grace of God, the Spirit of God becomes yours. And you give no place to the devil. A foothold. It's a military term. Paul says this is how you survive life. Keep a right heart. And you're able to process people. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving. Even as God in Christ forgive you. Is that how you live your life? Is that how you view people? Is that how you view people? Listen, if you don't, listen to me. I've lived a few years. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to make a statement to you. 
And I know, I know, I know how we process. And you can be sitting here now defending yourself. Listen to me. Listen. If you don't process God and people right, somewhere you'll be caught. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh